And we're back at Essential Dynamics, the show where everything is important. I'm Reed McCollum, your erstwhile and occasional host, talking today to Mr. Derek Hudson of Essential Dynamics and Unconstrained. Derek, how are you? I just have to qualify your uh, your intro there. Not everything is important, but everything we talk about on Essential Dynamics is it's important. important. Yes. Right. That's well, right. We, we're you. trying to we're trying to create value here for people who listen. I appreciate that. Well, Derek, last time we were talking, we were just about halfway through the uh, seven steps to scaling your business, and we had discussed we had discussed the first three steps, which uh, you can can you uh, restate for us in a sure. in a quick time? Sure. Um, so the first thing we we want to do is get really clear about the purpose, what we're trying to accomplish. Cause that's what we're going to scale. We're going to, we, we have to, we have to be clear on, on what value we're adding to the world, I guess. Uh, the second thing is we're not, that value is not growing as fast as we want. So that means we're stuck. So what are, what are we stuck on? What's, what's the hard problem that we haven't solved yet? What's the negative self-reinforcing loop that we can't, we can't get out of. And then the third thing is, uh, to be able to step back and to look at your business as a system, a system right. of a series of steps that creates value. There's cause and there's effect. And only by looking at your business as a system, are you ever going to able to make it do the same thing only, you know, twice as big or 10 times bigger that you have to take a systems approach to that. So that's as far as we got, it seemed like, doesn't seem like much, but we, we chewed on it. And we did. We 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 really gave it some thought. But uh, one of the questions I was I was asked, I, I was asking at the last episode, uh, if I recall correctly, was uh, what happens if your business uh, starts outgrowing its purpose, and uh, what if it shouldn't be much bigger? The temptation to just keep growing or or have more franchises or you know another chicken basket place uh, down the street what where we sh should we stop well well i don't know that there's a, an answer to that question but um you know why would you want to scale your business well we one of the things that we've been talking about really for the first time in our last episode was if we're taking a view of the broader economy policymakers, government leaders people in economic development people who are uh in member driven organizations like an industry association or a chamber of commerce, uh, they want overall economic activity to go up. So there are more jobs, there's more customers, there are more opportunities for people. And, and, you know, sort of human nature is that we need growth. We need growth and opportunity and we need challenges and we need to accomplish things. So that's the case generally, specifically, the question is, you know, when is, when is there too much growth? I think one of the ways to look at that is, let's get to your purpose. So if your purpose is so profound that the world needs more of it, <laughs> then perhaps you need to continue right. to grow to some degree. On the other hand, there is no benefit to you, the people you work with uh, to grow beyond your foundation without building that, building it up. So to, uh, to overstep your capacity and fall flat on your face, there's no reason for that. And then on a, an individual basis, I guess, 
uh, if, if business is only part of your life, then you have to look at the other parts of your life and say, how much am I willing to invest in, uh, of my own personal time and attention in this endeavor compared to family or other pursuits? So there's no easy answer, but the question is a fair one for sure. What is the fourth step? So I'm going to, I'm going to have to work on the wording of this because I've got two things that I think are the same, but they sound very different. And one of them is challenge your assumptions and the other is change your mindset. So I think I'm going to probably end up with mindset, but one of the, one of the challenges that we have with our mindsets is we have a particular way of looking at things, which saves us a lot of time because uh, we've got the, we've got the neural pathway set up that if this is the input, then I know how to calculate the output. And uh, it saves us a lot of time if we have a routine or a system or a way of viewing things. The problem is if that's not accurate, uh, then that's a really good way to get stuck. And, and so we are talking about um, these examples of negative loops that you get in. And typically one of the ways you're stuck in a negative loop is it's based on an assumption that's not correct. Uh, like okay. for ex- for example, I think we probably can get back to to uh, writing. But for example, if you have uh, a building, you're a landlord of a building, and it's a little bit run down, then the negative loop is <clears throat> it's run down, so you can't charge as much rent, so you don't have as much cash flow to fix it, and you get in a negative loop, and you're stuck, and you say, "I can't. There's nothing I can do." And that business is, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. But if you can challenge that mindset and say, what do I need to do, for example, to repair the building in ways that don't cost money or to in- increase the attractiveness of the building in ways that don't cost money, but will generate revenue. Um, there's a lot of things you could do. You could build a community in the building where people uh, see themselves as part of the building and now they're doing the landscaping outside and painting and now it looks better and your vacancies goes away and you can charge a little bit more rent and uh, maybe people then feel a little bit more of a sense of ownership so they don't break things as much so your repair costs go down and, and you can see how a, a mindset doesn't change the reality but it addresses the reality in a different way um, I think I, I think the answer um using this concept, the answer to writer's block um, is that you just write. And, and writer's block is I'm afraid to write stuff that isn't good. Right. So that's, I am going, I am going to write something good. And if I can't write something good, I'm going to stare at my screen. And so a way out of writer's block is I'm going to write for three hours today. Yeah. And while I'm sitting at my chair, my fingers will be moving and stuff will be coming out. You know, Derek, when I was a child, I, uh, I was somewhat precocious and spoke English very well. I had, uh, I could grasp the rules of grammar. I remember you correcting me many times. So yes. 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 Well, you needed to be corrected. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Uh, but as a result, when it came time to learn French in class, I would not speak it. 
I would write it. I would follow the tests and everything. And I was trying to learn it, but I would not speak it. And why? Because I was afraid of being mocked for saying something wrong, which doesn't happen in English to me. Yeah. And I, I was worried about, well, then I, I won't be as smart. And, and as a result, since I didn't, wouldn't speak it, I'm here today. I, I don't speak French very well. So the, there's an, there's an assumption in there built in um, that uh, if I speak French poorly, yes, it's bad. That's right. So That's therefore right. I will not speak French poorly. I will not speak French at all. And of course, then you will never learn how to speak French. And that's what's happened. Exactly. And, and, uh, I wish I had challenged my assumptions then, but I didn't, I thought they were perfectly logical. Well, and, and that's the, that's the thing is in the space you're in once, like if you draw the box around it, I mean, you might have to draw a pretty narrow box, but you can say in this world, my assumptions reign. Yeah. And, uh, and so if you want to scale, if you want to get to the next level, if you want to get unstuck, almost hundred percent, you're going to have to change your mindset. So it's not easy to do, but, uh, and I'll talk about that in, uh, in a minute, but the, the thing that I find really fun is, uh, is when the mindset changes. Yeah. Uh, you, you, sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. You don't like, like you don't need like this massive implementation plan and you don't need a communications plan and you, and you don't need, I mean, uh, so whatever you need will come, but, but the mindset is that's it. Yeah. That's the thing that we didn't have. And now we have the mindset and everything. You just look at everything differently and you don't even have to change that much. So uh, how do you know when you need to change your mindset? What if you're like, uh, you made me a little paranoid now because I'm thinking I'm in the midst of writing a play for the fringe uh, this year. And as I'm, so that's the Edmonton fringe and it starts August 18th in Edmonton. And that's correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's a plug for you, Reed. Thank you very much, Derek. I appreciate it. But so I'm, I've been invited to write and direct a play for a group of people who want to do a play. And, uh, and I accepted that. And so I'm, I'm delighted to have the opportunity again to write a play, but I'm not sure I've written one so quickly. And I am intimidated by the possibility of it not being as good as my other work, which took, lots of agony. <laughs> I'm going to have to skip the agony for this one. And, uh, and, and it, that's scary to me. Not that I want the agony, but it just, it just seems to be a natural part of my process that I, I don't have time for now. So, uh, well, so, so that's, uh, that's another way to like change the mindset is to change the box that we put ourselves in. Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so, one thing I would just share about this is that uh, one of the thrilling parts of my job is when I see someone go through the mindset change in front of me. And uh, sometimes they actually do like explosion yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actions or there's a pause and you can just see the gears going. And then after that, they speak about things differently. Yeah. And, and it's super cool. So it's, it's not easy to do, but in order to get stuck out of a rut that you're in, that's negative and self-reinforcing some assumptions, some part of your mindset has to, has to change. And it's hard to imagine that it can, but it can. And, and, and let's, and you should go for it. Okay. 
So can I move on to the next one? Because we're going to... Please, please, bye. We've got, we got a few to cover. Number five is, is now that your mindset has shifted, now what you want to do is redesign your system to unlock capacity. Oh, that's a lot of words. Yeah. Capacity is the key word here. Okay. So remember we said that you could have like this system that was producing at a certain level. And if you wanted to scale up, you went through a step change. So you, you can't do it the same way and just like faster or just more people. There's got to be a different, different approach. And so what you're looking for is capacity in the system, which you can then uh, sell or apply to new orders or something like that. And so for you to understand capacity, you need to understand where it's limited. That's the constraint thing that we always talk about. Where your capacity is limited. That's interesting. So your capacity is limited. Where it's most limited, that's your constraint. So the question is, how do I get more capacity? And um, let's say, for example, in a manufacturing line, I have a client that's uh, working in manufacturing. They have people in their factory and they also have machines. Sure. And there's a machine that does a lot of work very fast that it would take people a long time to do. Okay. No, and a machine that works very fast that would take people a long time. It to would take, it would take people Thank like, you know, so many, so many steps are just done instantly by this, this really cool machine. Automation. Yes. Yeah. Um, the whole thing is an automated. It's not like one robot factory, but there's this one, step the, intri yeah. the intricate step that's sped up significantly by having a machine uh and their busy times that's not enough so they've been running multiple shifts so they can run the machine longer they have more people on staff and they're making more but they did the calculations and they can pay for a second machine in about two months oh so now, does that eliminate jobs uh it doesn't eliminate jobs it increases capacity excellent now that's an important point yeah so then people, the question people often associate automation with evil yeah yeah so well you think about automation and how bad it is um the fact that you can buy a computer for two thousand dollars um is largely because the components can be manufactured so quickly and cheaply and the raw materials ultimately really aren't that expensive right like so so automation provides low cost goods for us and if you're working in a in the context of a factory where that has potential for automation what you want to do is find more customers not yeah. less, not less jobs. So, so that idea of, of finding capacity, um, it's, it's kind of a treasure hunt because you find it, then you got to do something with it. And that's, that's the, the process of scaling up is generating capacity and then filling it and generating more capacity. And one of the things that, uh, that I, I think sort of from looking from the outside when you want to scale a company, uh, you don't think about that as much. You think, well, maybe they need to export to Asia. So let's get them ready for a trip to Japan and China and they can sell their stuff. And the problem is they, they don't have capacity to make more. 
So we have to we have to balance the capacity and the demand. So that's that's the fifth one. Um, now I'm going to take a real uh, sideways trip because um, we've been yeah for number six we've been talking about process system capacity you know automation and stuff like that. Uh, number six is you need to earn the hearts and the minds of the people. Holy cow. Now we're talking more my area. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're going to scale, uh, you're going to ask more of everybody. And there has to be a reason that it's a good idea to do that. And so if you have people that intellectually and emotionally uh, either identify with the purpose of the organization, the leader of the organization, the customers, uh, then you can get over that hump, do that step change and scale your business because the people will figure it all out. But if they don't care or if they're feeling that they're being uh, mistreated, um, then all this other stuff isn't going to work. It's moot. I like how you put earn at the front of that step uh, rather than just uh, change the hearts and minds of the people like, like uh, uh, Stalin wanted to do. Well, you can't, you cannot <laughs> change the hearts of people. That's why I use that word, right? Earn it. You can, you can earn their trust. You can even earn their love. You can earn their respect but you can only do it by doing something that is worthy of trust or worthy of respect. And you can't even go through these six steps. The first, the first six we were discussing, you can't even go through them without that, without the trust of your team. Well, you, you know, you can make a show of it and you can barge your way through a lot of stuff, but the idea of scaling, if we want to keep using that term, is that we have adjusted the parameters of our business so it operates effectively at a at a higher level of capacity, a higher level of production, right? Yeah. And to really do that, you have to scale the contribution of the people. And I don't think that you can buy that or you can afford to buy that um, in a transaction kind of sense. Um, for very long. Okay. Okay. So, also, so you need, you need the people. Go ahead, Reed. I was going to say, it's also a difficult step to quantify. How do you know when you have the hearts and minds of the people? I suppose you've often referenced seeing somebody's mind change right in front of you and seeing their, their, their perspectives of their own possibilities expand just as you're discussing with them. That must be a very satisfying thing to to see or witness. Well, it, it is very cool. And it, but if you're talking about an organization, there's another thing that you can see where people come to work because of their their team they're on, because of the customer, sure, and um, or this sense of purpose. Now you got to right. pay them fairly, or you know, at some point their family's going to say, I know you love that job, but yeah. you know, we need to go to college someday, dad. So yeah, you know, yeah. be there yeah. for us. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. You're telling me the story of my life. Yeah. But, but there's uh there's no shortcut 
to having the hearts and minds of the people. And there's nothing you can't accomplish once you have them. All right. So what does that leave us? Where's step seven? Uh, step seven is okay. I'm going to review the first six and then I'll, I'll do right. then, then you're going to, then you're going to make seven, step seven a surprise. That's and remember okay. we're talking, we're talking to people who are running their own organizations and we're talking also to people who want to help those people run their organizations better. So, so the first thing, first thing is to be really clear about your purpose and what you're trying to accomplish. Yes. Because you can't scale up something that you can't describe. So we're here to do this thing and we want to do it bigger, affect more okay. people. So the second thing is now call out where you're stuck. We're, we're not moving ahead because we're in a loop that keeps feeding itself and we know we don't get ahead. What, what is that? What's, what's the dilemma? What's the thing we don't know how to, we don't know how to deal with us. Uh, so the third thing is, now we're going to step outside and look at the business as a system. There is cause and effect. There's inputs and outputs. Um, we can make assumptions about how things are going to flow through the system and test them. And by doing that, we've got something that we can scale because what we're doing is designing the system to operate at a different scale. We're not just fighting fires. Okay. Uh, the fourth thing is to change your mindset. So it's, it's to take those um, baked in assumptions and limiting things that we think about uh, the way we see the world and expand them to accommodate the ability to operate at this different level. Um, and then the next thing is, is that we need to redesign to unlock capacity. We have to find the capacity in the system. We need then to deploy that capacity to satisfy our demand and, and step those two up. But we really need to think and understand capacity. And then the sixth thing, which isn't in sequence, okay, and, I, and you caught me on that, Reed, so that's a good one, is all through this whole process, you have to earn the hearts and minds of the people. And so that they see themselves in the purpose, they see themselves uh, in the solution, to get unstuck. They're with you with the mindset change. And, uh, and that's going to make all the differences that people are progressing with you. So what is the seventh step? The seventh step is this is all very, very hard to do while you're still running a business. So you need to get some outside help. You, you need some, somebody who's, uh, going to let you run your business, respect everything that you're bringing to the table, but have that outside perspective, uh, ideally have a process based on principles, um, not, uh, not a prescription, but a way of thinking, uh, including things like these six steps, uh, to be able to uh, apply as a, as a leader of a business into that specific situation. So I think one of, one of the things, one of the places where that uh, we see that breakdown in society, and I'm talking about this, uh, this sort of policy and um, economic development label uh, level is that we want to find the program that we're going to make the people so we're going to fix the companies, just like companies want to fix their people. Um, yeah, but, but, uh, but, the businesses are unique and they have a particular challenge at a particular time. The government program of the day might not be the thing. 
And so to have uh, something that's based on principles, that's based on real cause and effect uh, is the way to get unstuck and break through to, to scale, scale a business. You know, Derek, I'm sure some people listening and uh, people who know you uh, might recognize that uh, the seventh step, getting competent outside help. And I have to tell you, if I had a nickel for every time somebody has told me to get help, uh, I I think a lot of people will recognize that that competent outside help is someone like you. And uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to formulate and really concentrate as to what these steps should be. Just as with any worthwhile information, you've raised up many more questions for conversation. And I hope you'll, uh, hope you'll all be willing to join us uh, and as we explore what those steps and the ramifications of them might, uh, might do. Now, would you please share and follow us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you find your favorite podcast. And please tell your friends about us because we want to scale our business. And Derek, where can people find you? Uh, you can reach out to me at getunconstrained.com. And Reed, thanks very much for your kind words today. I appreciate it very much. And uh, it's an honor. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, consider your quest. <laughs>